When the Israelites returned from Babylon, they couldn't just go back to normal. We find ourselves heading into a similar situation. What does God want to say to us in this season as we prepare for life after a pandemic? In After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal, Pastor Harris will preach a series based on the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. We've been in a series of messages from the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi entitled um, After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal. And um, last week we were over in the book of Malachi, the very last book of the Bible. Today we're flipping back into Zechariah chapter 4, specifically for Pentecost Sunday. And we touched on this chapter a few weeks ago, but I want us to go back to it and dive into it this morning as we catch a glimpse of the importance of the Holy Spirit um, within our lives, the importance of his work within our lives, and the vision that God has for each of our lives. And so I've entitled this morning's message, God's Vision for Your Life. God's Vision for Your Life. And I want to read for us Zechariah chapter 4. We'll read the whole of the chapter. Um, so I trust you have it in your Bibles. If not, you can, you can follow on the screen here behind me. But the Bible says, Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, Well, what are these, my Lord? And he answered me, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. For what are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. And then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. For who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and, and left of the lampstand? I asked, again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. May God bless his word to us this morning. And again, I want to speak to us um, about God's vision for your life. Now, let me ask you this morning, what kind of vision do you have for your life? You see, we all have a picture in our heads regarding what our lives should look like now and what our lives should look like in the days to come, a vision of what we might accomplish with our lives and how we ought to be living. And what We all have a picture of what our lives will be like. I think of, of the many new graduates graduating from high school and college, and I got to say, I feel so badly for so many of them that um, have 
not been able to have their graduations and their proms and all the other things that go along with it. And next week, I believe, um, we're going to be honoring our graduates here, or maybe the week after, um, but we're going to be honoring our, our high school and college graduates. But I think of those graduates, and they all have some sort of vision of what their life is going to be like and what they'll be able to achieve once they get that new diploma in hand and maybe going off to college or starting a new job, starting a new career, whatever it might be. I think of the many newlyweds who usually get married in May and June and, and through the summer months. And, and, you know, as a couple comes together and they make their vows, they stand at that altar. They have all kinds of pictures in their head, a vision of what life is going to be like, you know, maybe traveling the world together, setting up home together. I don't know, for some, maybe having lots of kids together. Um, but we all have a picture, a vision of what life will be like as we look into the future. I want you to know this morning that God has a vision for your life. It's a vision of who you can become. It's a vision of the way in which you can live. And it's a vision of what you can accomplish through your life. You see, God has a picture in mind of, of what our lives should look like in the days to come and how it is as the people of God, not just individually but corporately, how we might impact our world. And part of God's vision for your life in mind, for each of his people, for all of his people, is that we would be people who would be relying upon his Holy Spirit to help us become who he wants us to become, to help us live the way he would have us to live, and to accomplish the things he's called us to accomplish. His picture for us is that each one of our lives would be filled with his Holy Spirit. You see, as we come here to, to Zechariah chapter 4, God is speaking through a vision to Zechariah, but it's really a vision not for Zechariah's life, but for Zerubbabel's life, the governor of the land. God had a picture that Zerubbabel would complete the task of rebuilding the temple. But it appears that Zerubbabel and the people with him were overwhelmed by the magnitude of it all. They had, had tried once before, and they had failed. They had stopped with just the, the foundation. They had faced all kinds of opposition and, and obstacles. And, and it seems that they no longer believed they could do it. Zerubbabel maybe began to believe that it was just much more than he could ever handle. And the truth was, he nor they together could complete the task at least not without God's help. And that's where Zechariah's fifth vision here comes into play. Because again, it's a vision for not Zechariah's life, but for Zerubbabel's life and for the people he served. And we might say that, yes, this was a vision for Zerubbabel and his people back then, but it's also a vision for each one of our lives as we seek to live as God's people and do what he calls us to do, that God has a vision to to see each of us living our lives filled with his Holy Spirit, um, accomplishing what he calls us to accomplish by means of his Spirit. It's a vision. I hope you'll catch that today. It's a vision for your life and for mine. And as we look here in Zechariah chapter 4, I want us to notice four aspects of the working of God's Spirit. And as we do, I want us to note that he is the very same Holy Spirit who's able to work in our lives in the same way that he, that he promised to work in Zerubbabel's life and in the people's lives way back then. The first thing we see 
here in this vision. It's, it's a vision of the fullness of the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit. Now, I just want to show you a quick picture here of, of, of what Zechariah saw here. And, and, and it's an image of a solid gold lampstand like, like we would see or would have been in the temple itself. But what's interesting about this lampstand is that at the top it had a large bowl with seven channels then leading to seven smaller lamps. And there were also on either side of it two olive trees. Within these lamps, we know there, there would have been the olive oil, which would have been the substance that would have burned to provide the light. And the meaning is not really all that difficult to discern. For as I mentioned even a few weeks ago, throughout the Old and New Testaments, oil is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we find this to be the case as the vision unfolds. And especially in verse 6, the meaning is given to Zechariah. For God reveals that this vision is all about the working of the Holy Spirit to help Zerubbabel and to help the people accomplish the task. Notice, we, we, we find this, this description of the fullness of the Spirit. For you'll notice the number seven there. Do you notice the number seven? It's a number of divinity and of wholeness, completeness in the Scripture. Here it speaks of the fact that, that this is not just any Spirit, but this is the Spirit of God. This is a supernatural and divine infusion of power. For the Lord says, by my Spirit, by my Spirit, and notice seven lamps with seven channels. It's kind of like seven times seven, which, again, is a numeric symbol of complete fullness. That is, listen, this is what God's saying, that, that he was not promising just a little bit of his spirit. He was not making a promise for just a taste of his spirit. It wasn't about just enough to get by, but he's promising a fullness a fullness of his spirit. You see, when the promise of the Holy Spirit was given by Jesus, it was not a promise for a little bit of the Holy Spirit, for just a taste of the spirit, for just a drop of the spirit. But the promise was one of fullness. The promise was that the believers would be filled by the Holy Spirit, even filled to overflowing. The promise was that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit that word from the Greek, baptizo, it means completely immersed. It was, a, it was, it was a, just a, a regular word. I always like to say in baptism classes, when we're talking about baptism, like a little kid would take his Oreo and baptize it in his milk. Just completely immerse it in his milk. And that's the promise that Jesus made, that we would be filled, that we would be baptized, completely immersed. The promise was that the Spirit of God himself would come in all of his fullness, filling his people to overflowing, immersing them completely. Listen, I want to tell you, it's, it, it wasn't just a vision for Zerubbabel, but it was a vi it's a vision for you and me. It's a vision for us that the Holy Spirit would come to us in all of his fullness. But not only do we see a picture of the fullness of the Spirit, but it's also a picture of the power of the Spirit. And the Lord says, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, or, or, or in other words, not by your might, not by your power, but by the power and the might and the strength that comes by the Spirit of God. For the words used there speak of strength and ability and wealth and force and being firm and vigorous and having the capacity and ability to get done what needs to be done. And God's saying to Zerubbabel, listen, no, you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not smart enough or vigorous enough or talented enough. 
You can't do it, but my spirit will come. And when he does, he will bring with him power, my power to accomplish the task. My spirit will enable you and equip you to do all that I've called you to do. Oh, I want to tell us today, the Lord promises power, his power, power to accomplish the task. God had purposed that the temple would be rebuilt. And thus the outpouring of his Holy Spirit would enable Zerubbabel and the people. He would provide all the resources necessary. But not only power to accomplish a task, but power to remove all obstacles. In the past, the people had faced all kinds of obstacles. There had been so much opposition, the lack of resources and so forth, and they, they seemed to have failed. But God promises that by his Spirit, every mountain... Every mountain, every obstacle that has stood in their way would be taken down. It would be removed. Power, power to accomplish the task, power to remove all obstacles, and power to make something great out of something small. Power to make something great out of something small. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, who dares despise the day of small things? You see, things seem to have started out so small. This temple, in some ways, it couldn't compare to the one that Solomon had built. And yet God was doing something great. He was going to make something great out of something small. As we saw in the book of Haggai, Haggai had written, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. People will say, oh, it just doesn't look the same. It's not, it's not as glitzy. It's not as glamorous. It doesn't, you know, but, but God says, listen, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former. Not because of the size of the structure and so forth, but because the Spirit of God was going to do something incredible in that place. Oh, can I just take a side note here? Sometimes as we move, move forward, things don't look the way they once did in the past. And sometimes we begin to, as, as it says here in Zechariah, we begin to despise the day of small things. And, and yet God says, listen, but when my spirit comes and he infuses himself into the situations that you're facing, don't worry about what it looks like on the outside. Just trust that my spirit is able to do something much greater than you could ever expect. Oh, the task would be completed. The temple would be rebuilt, not because of the strength, ability, talent, or wealth of the people, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus made the same kind of promise when he told his disciples that when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, they would be clothed with power. They would be given abilities and gifts and strength, all that they needed, that they might live the way he'd called them to live and do what he had called them to do. But Jesus knew there was no way in the world this small group of disciples would be able to reach the world with the gospel. They wouldn't be able to do it, at least not on their own. But Jesus also knew that when the Holy Spirit of God fills his people, when the Spirit of God comes in fullness, he also comes with power. Power to enable, power to overcome obstacles, power to strengthen, power to make bold. Listen, that's what the Pentecostal power is all about. It's about us being enabled to live the way God's called us to live and to reach our world with the gospel. It's God's vision for your life. Maybe some of us today need that fullness and that power. Maybe some of us have been trying too long to do life on our own. We've been trying to just live according to our, our own strength, our own, our own means, as it were. Trying to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, and we're just doing it on our own. And maybe today you need to come to God and say, God, I can't do it. I'm tired. 
I'm, I'm failing. I'm not making any headway. I, I, I keep on messing up. Maybe the place to start today is just to say, God, God, we just fill me with your spirit. I need your spirit to come in all of his fullness and power into my life. But the third thing I see in this picture today is not just the, the fullness of the spirit and the power of the spirit, but as well the unending supply of the Holy Spirit, the unending supply of the spirit. See, again, in this image, they were on each side of the lampstand, there were two olive trees. And from each tree, there was a prominent branch. And from these trees and branches, there were channels through which the oil continuously flowed into the lamp. You see, normally the priests would have to constantly check the lamps to make sure they had enough oil that they could keep on burning. But for this lamp, there was no need for the priest to check. For you see, there was no opportunity for the lamp to run out of oil. As long as the lamp remained connected by the pipes to the source, there was an unending supply of oil. And I believe God wanted his people to know that as long as they remained connected to him, there would be an unending supply of oil, an unending supply of his Holy Spirit to help them, to empower them, to enable them, that as long as they remain connected to their source, they would have more than enough of the Spirit flowing into their lives to keep them burning brightly. Oh, we're reminded today that there is no reason for any of us to run dry or to have our flame flicker out, for there is an unending supply of God's Spirit available to each of us. And all we need to do is stay connected to him, daily connected, moment by moment, allowing his spirit to continually flow into our lives. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, that is, if you remain connected to me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Let me encourage us today to keep ourselves connected to the source, abiding in the vine, knowing that as we do, there is an unending supply of supernatural strength and power that's able to flow into our lives. I want you to know it's God's vision for your life. And finally, this morning, I see in this vision, not just the fullness and the power and the unending supply of the Spirit, but as well a picture of the anointing of the Spirit. And highlighted in the vision are two olive branches, which represent the two people whom God had chosen to be key in this process of rebuilding. And they, they were, as we've seen elsewhere, they were Joshua the priest and Zerubbabel the governor. And they are represented by these olive branches to speak of the fact that they had a special anointing upon their lives to do what God had called them to do that they had been chosen by God and thus anointed by God, that they would have the power to accomplish this great task, and that it would be through their lives as the Holy Spirit anointed them, that through their lives it would be a flow of the Holy Spirit to the people whom they serve, that together they would be able to, to serve and live and rebuild that which needed to be rebuilt. Well, as we've said in the past, is in God never calls us to a task and then just kind of leave us on our own. He doesn't say, come on, here's what I want you to do. Now just you know, go for it. But rather, he always anoints those whom he calls. He places anointing upon their lives that the Holy Spirit might flow into them and through them. Oh, I just love the way Jesus described that there'd be rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. That is, there's a flow into us, but as well a flow out of us. But you see, see, here's the thing. 
that to receive that anointing that God has for us, one needs to submit to it. For in the Bible, whenever a physical anointing took place, where, where say, for instance, the prophet Samuel is coming to anoint David as the next king, and he's going to pour the oil upon him, the person being anointed needed to submit to the one doing the anointing. They had to stand still. They often had to kneel. They had to allow the anointer to do the work of anointing. They had to put themselves in a position to receive the anointing. Imagine if Samuel had come with a flask of oil and he said, David, let me anoint you. And David keeps running all over the room and Samuel couldn't chase him down. He wasn't going to do that. But David needed to submit. Each one who would be anointed needed to submit to the anointing. Jesus promised his disciples an anointing upon their lives. But in order to receive that anointing, they had to wait. They had to stop. He tells them, don't even get to work until you first waited. They had to submit themselves before God, the anointer, and allow him to pour out his spirit upon them. And that's what happened on this day that we remember this Pentecost Sunday. I love what the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2. What an encouragement to those of us who are followers of Christ and will open up our lives to the ministry of his spirit. When John writes, but you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. Listen, God has an anointing available for your life. He wants to pour out his spirit upon you. He wants to fill you and empower you. He wants you to live as his anointed one, that his spirit might, might, might flow into you and through you, bringing life to all those around you, bringing change to the situations around you. Oh, I think of the words of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. And I know that Jesus applied these words to himself, and rightly so, as the anointed one, as the Messiah. But I believe that these are words that can apply, they need to apply to each of us who is seeking to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. Where the prophet writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. But they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities they, that have been devastated for generations. Oh, can I tell you this morning, church, that our world desperately needs men and women who will live their lives under the anointing of God with a flow of the Holy Spirit through them. Oh, I don't know about you, but I know my heart is so broken as this week we just continue to see what's happening in our land. I mean, first we're dealing with the pandemic of this virus 
and people's lives have been turned upside down. And now to see the injustice that's taken place and the killing of, of, of this man, George Floyd, and many of us have seen the videos over and over again, and our hearts are broken that, that, that it should have happened at all in the first place, that there would be such anger and rage and there would be such, such, such incredible evil taking place in that moment. But then to see, to go on to see what's happening and the anger and the rage that's erupting in people's hearts and lives. And our nation is being turned upside down in so many ways. And, our, and, and, and the men and women who serve us, they want to take every opportunity to justify themselves and their own position and so forth, their own politics. But I want to tell us this morning, we don't need more politicians. We don't necessarily need more educators. We don't need more medical staff. What we need is men and women who will live their lives in this day under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to proclaim good news that the brokenhearted will be healed, that those who are grieving will be comforted, that ruins would be rebuilt in physical and spiritual ways. God is calling us as his church in this hour to say, God, we submit ourselves to your anointing today. And I tell you this morning, God has an anointing for each of our lives if we'll but submit to him, wait upon him, seek after him. It's God's vision for your life. Notice with me as we close this morning the end results of the work of the Holy Spirit in Zechariah chapter 4. Obstacles, mountains are removed. There's shouts of praise to God. The work is completed. Small things become big things. And the anointing of God flows from his servants to all the earth. What an incredible picture of what can happen when we live our lives filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, that's God's vision for your life. It's God's vision that you would live a spirit-filled life. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm reminded of the promise of God to pour out his spirit upon all of his children, pouring out his spirit in all of his fullness, filling us with divine power, giving us access to an unending supply, and anointing our lives that we might be channels through which his Holy Spirit might flow today. And so I want to encourage each of us to come today, say, Lord, Lord, ultimately it's not about my vision for my life the things I want to accomplish, the things I want to do, the way I want to live. But God, ultimately, it's about your vision for my life. And so, Lord, I come to you today. I come to you today to draw upon your unending supply. I need your anointing upon my life. I need the power that you've promised. I need the fullness of your spirit at work in and through my life. But God, I want your vision for my life to be fulfilled in me and through me. For it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your spirit. It's by your spirit. Would you say it right now? Lord, it's not by my might. It's not by my power. But it's by your spirit. And so I ask you to fill me, to touch me anew, to anoint me today with your Holy Spirit.